DJ Fisher with us Thursdays. I was looking just at, never thought I'd be looking at portal rankings. I never thought, looking into the future a few years ago, I'd be looking at these rankings. But Florida State, LSU, 1-2, however you want to mix those two up. And then after that, it's somewhat debatable. Auburn's in there somewhere. And I think that one's kind of sneaky, a Hugh Freeze, but they've had a very good intake here in the portal. Southern Cal, Oklahoma, there have been many others. But but nonetheless, Georgia has done more this year than they've done uh, here recently, just a few years into the portal era. TJ, what's up? Anything left for Florida State? Yeah, maybe after spring. I don't know that they'll take anybody right now. You know, the the classes have started. We're two weeks into into class. It'd be not impossible, but it'd be pretty tough to get somebody in now. Anyway, uh, the guys at Florida State pulled in the portal. Every one of them said the same thing. Mike Norvell and company were the first to reach out to me. And they all committed pretty quickly. There weren't any real long, drawn-out, two-, three-week things. And so I don't think there's somebody that Florida State's, like, slow playing right now. And um, if, if something pops up out of nowhere, then I'll come on here and eat crow. But it just isn't, it hasn't been the way that Florida State's moved. They're very diligent. They jump on guys very quickly. It's what everybody says in their – when they commit and when they do their newcomer interviews at Florida State is – yeah, Mike Norvell and, and, and the staff or someone on the staff was the first to reach out to me. They got me in a, for a visit that week, and I committed less than a week later. And, and that was the model we saw with literally all 10 transfers that Florida State signed. So I don't really expect that we're just going to all of a sudden get a new guy in a week or two that was a, was a month-long process or a two-month process. Also, with classes starting, I just don't see anybody else joining at this point. Maybe post-spring when the portal opens back up, you get more guys enter. You'll have some guys at Florida State probably leave that are, you know, third and fourth place on the depth chart at certain positions. But, yeah, it's a new era in college football. And you mentioned not not, uh, not knowing that you'd ever really look at portal rankings and, you know, transfers back in the day were certainly looked at kind of out of a side eye, right? You, you didn't really think that they were going to be – impact guys like they are now and Florida State and other programs have proven that you can get multiple years out of some of these guys and you know there you know there, there's an aspect of portal recruiting that's maybe even slightly safer than high school recruiting because a high school recruit can leave you the very next year whereas a portal guy really can't leave unless he's getting a waiver so you at least get him for two years because they can't just transfer again so I don't know, guys lock in a little bit longer, and Florida State's done a good job of not only the one-year rental type thing, but also getting guys that will play for multiple years. I mean, Jordan Travis is about to be in his third or fourth year at Florida State. Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, Dylan Gibbons, all these guys play multiple years. I think if you can get that out of the portal, it's pretty sustainable. Georgia Dog says, ask TJ about running back class of 24 five-star from his neck of the woods where he's from in Georgia, the Albany, not pronounced Albany, Albany, Georgia, Cam Davis running back. Man, that kid, I, you know, five-stars just look different, right? Like they just, they're five-stars for a reason, right? They're incredibly talented, incredibly athletic, and he just looks the part, right? And Obviously, he's phenomenal, great athlete, uh, pretty locked in with Florida State. In fact, he was on campus last week. Florida State does a 
uh, I don't want to upset people out here, but I'll just say it. Florida State does one of the best jobs, if not the best job, of recruiting two-sport athletes. They've always been good at it, like all the way back to Dion and Charlie Ward, and then you run down the line to, you know, all the guys that ran track as well. But you look at Jameis. I mean, Jameis is on record saying one of the biggest reasons he came to Florida State was that Texas and Alabama weren't going to let him play baseball. And I wonder if Nick and uh, Mac regret that looking back now, you know. And so I think that Florida State does a good job of that. Cam, obviously – um, baseball guy too. He actually took some official visit or some visit pictures in the baseball stuff on uh, on Saturday, which I thought was cool. I thought that was neat, something different that Florida State really does well, and somebody that Florida State is very high on, and a lot of other teams are really high on too. And so I'm sure they'll have to fend off a couple of SEC programs for him this year. But uh, a kid that Florida State's glad to have in their class right now, and obviously looking to add to it if they can. Yeah, and think about it now. I would surmise that the running back position is probably the easiest position to not participate in spring. Because it, at running back, when you're that level, you are what you are. And, and missing reps in the spring, missing some reps as a running back might actually be good. You know, keep you fresh. Maybe, maybe not. But I don't think you get hurt at all if you've got a running back who's going to play baseball in the spring, and he's good. Yeah, and, you know, what was crazy is, like, you know, he missed some stuff, but, like, Jameis would be running back and forth between both. I don't know if they'd really let people do that anymore or not, just because yeah. you don't want to risk an injury, but he was the kind of kid that was like, no, I'm playing, but, like, he'd, he'd go to baseball practice in the morning and then he'd be back over at spring practice in the afternoon. So, yeah, some of those kids are, are just different. But, now I agree, and I don't even know if he'll – truly play baseball when he gets to college or not but and I but I agree with you I mean running back I think running back is the is the position that translates the easiest right I mean I don't mean to take away from what these guys do but the, the role of the running back is you know running this hole right like you you, you, you hit this gap and, and if you can see something it's all about vision and you know what the line is I think that position translates really really easy from high school to college and then from college to the NFL I mean I think that you, you know, it's the easiest position to pick up, and that's why you see rookies absolutely go off and have great years and uh, great seasons in the NFL, too. So, yeah, I agree. I think if there was a position that I – mean, you don't want your quarterback doing that, but if there was a position that, that could be done, it, it's probably running back. No cab up in Chicago. Ask TJ, did Florida State fill all their O-line needs? I think so, and there's – you know, uh, they maybe even got somebody back last year that they weren't expecting. Um, the, uh, Big Meech, the, their right guard from last year, uh, Dimitri Emanuel, seemed like he played his final game when the when the bowl game was finished, and he ended up back on Florida State's roster um, for the 2023 season. They're appealing and filing a waiver for a year that he got injured a couple of years ago, and they, I mean, he's been participating so far in, like, the offseason workouts. So, I, you know, I think the NCAA approves, like, 80% of waivers. Uh, and so I think it'll get approved, and I think they'll get him back. And so if that's the case, they really only lost one guy, and that's Dylan Gibbons, who was really, really good, all ATC, and, and a better person off the field. But they pulled in Jeremiah Byers, who was the top offensive line target at the time when they pulled him out of the portal, um, a four-year guy, Casey Roddick from Colorado, and – uh, a guy who started a lot of games in 2021 for Auburn and Keandre Jones. 
see, I think they're really happy with what their offensive line is going to look like. And like well, I've said this before, but it was the best the offensive line's been since 2013, since they won the national championship. And I think it's going to be better next year. I think it's going to have more depth. I think you get a couple of guys back. You're only losing one starter if Emmanuel's waiver gets approved. And you probably added two and a half guys that have starter level level caliber there. So, yeah, I think the offensive line is going to be not only just good for Florida State, like it's going to be a strength. It, it, it'll really make that offense even better than it was in 2022. Aliquippa Bob, as things stand now, ask TJ how many wins he's projecting for Florida State next year. I think it's got to be 10-plus. You know, I think the only acceptable losses on the schedule are LSU to start the year. I think that'll be a really tough game, just like it was last year. Hopefully it doesn't come down to the last point after touchdown so that I can, you know, go through the rest of the season with some hair left on my head. But, uh, and I think you play at Clemson. I don't, you know, you could trip up and you could lose other games, but Florida State should be favored in every other game that they play. You got to go on the road and play Pitt, and I, I think that's, tricky, but I still think you should win that game. Florida State's a better team than Pitt is. Uh, they were more consistent than Pitt was. And so, yeah, Miami, I don't. I expect Miami to eventually get things figured out, but I don't think they have things figured out this year, and that game's in Tallahassee. And then based on what we're seeing with Florida right now, I don't think that they've replaced enough talent to, for, for that to be a game that you should lose, even though it is in the swamp this year. So that one's, that one's kind of a question mark to me just because it's so far off and it's, it's tough to predict what happens in game 12, uh, especially in January. But, yeah, I think they need to win at least 10 games. I mean, you won nine regular season this year. You need to get a little bit better than that and win 10. If they are to beat either LSU or Clemson, which I don't mean to say that like those are sure losses or anything, I, I think they'll beat Clemson. I'm sorry, I think they'll beat LSU and have a great shot up at Clemson. Then maybe you're looking at 11 wins and you're in the ACC championship and You've got 11 wins going to that ACC championship. That's a play-in game. And if you win that one, you're in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think 10-11 really needs to be the expectation. And they're gearing up for a run. They, they know what's in front of them. They know how the schedule sets up. They invested a lot to get a lot of guys to return. They understand that, too. That I'm not putting any kind of expectation on them that Florida State doesn't have already on themselves. Yeah, we got a long way to go, but that opener is going to be very exciting because veteran quarterbacks who really came on and played well a year ago and rosters that are in better shape than they were previously, both LSU and Florida State, that's going to be a heck of an opener. That one's going to be so much fun. It's the game, It's certainly the game of the weekend. It's on a Sunday, so just like last year, it gets its own – kind of day and, and primetime spot. To, I mean, yeah, that, that one's going to be phenomenal. Um, and, yeah, I think the, the winner of that game puts themselves in a really, really good spot. Uh, the winner of that game's probably, I don't know, you think about it that early. Like, there's Florida State's getting a lot of hype, you know, preseason hype, top five, top ten-ish hype. Uh, if they start the season in the top five and then they beat LSU week one, I think they're going to be like top two or three in the country, right? Like Georgia will be one, and, and they deserve it. And Ohio State will probably be two. But I think if you beat LSU, and then the same thing for LSU, if they start at like six or somewhere in there and they beat number four or five Florida State, the same thing. They're going to be like three or four in the country. And so whoever wins that really sets themselves up uh, for the rest of the season. 
And, uh, you know, whoever loses it, it's probably a pretty good loss, too, as long as you don't lose by, like, 20 points. So I hate to I hate that that's college football now is that we're talking about good losses, but you lose to a really good team early in the year, you got a lot of time to make up for that, and then you just cheer for that team and hope that they, you know, end up winning their conference or something so that loss looks really good. TJ, tell everybody how they can get your content. Yeah, if you go to YouTube and just type in Double Fries, No Slaw, or any kind of social media, it's all there, too. Good stuff, man. See you next week. Thanks, buddy. There he is. TJ Pitcher. Very good. Excellent addition to the show. Jay Book in about an hour. Out in Scottsdale. Omni Nashville Hotel. Thank you.